Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. Paul Calvisi joins me. We look ahead to Sunday's game against the Raiders. The Chandler Jones storyline is obviously a big one. Bottom line here, though, you've got a pair of teams that did not play well in Week 1 and neither wants to wake up Monday morning 0-2. First, though, do we feel better about the loss to the Chiefs? It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 591, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2. Hit in the backfield and down he goes for a loss. J.J. Watt nailed him. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. He's at the 10, at the 5, he's in again! Some more Murray Magic! Wow! Here's Craig Grealoux. Well, they say time heals all wounds. We're five days removed from the Cardinals' loss to the Chiefs. And I'll be honest, Paul, that was not just a wound. That was a gaping wound, considering what we all saw Sunday at State Farm Stadium. Well, even the head coach said it looked like the preseason. So we only half joked that this year's schedule, after all, did include four preseason games. It was it was old school. So uh, it's hard not to argue that uh, you better get better from week one to week two. That's where historically, or at least according to the cliche, that's where the most improvement happens. It better. It better or it could get sideways again. Before we get into week two Cardinals at the Raiders, do we feel better about that loss considering what we all saw Thursday night? Not the not the initial struggles from the Chiefs, both offense and defense, because that was concerning as you look back at what the Cardinals did and did not do against the Chiefs. But the fact that the Chiefs now are 2-0 and firmly in control of their division and maybe in the AFC. Patrick Mahomes is definitely on a mission. There's there's no doubt that I think he heard a lot of the headlines, saw a lot of the coverage, and said, wait a minute, when it comes to Josh Allen and some of these other quarterbacks, uh, don't forget about the guy who already has a ring and an MVP and is still uh, going into his prime. And so the way he looks and his ability to keep his eyes downfield and evade the rush and the stinking arm angles and everything, let me tell you, Grief, from the sideline last week, that's one of the most impressive performances I've ever witnessed just to see him put the ball into certain windows and escape the rush five touchdown passes against the Cardinals five different arm angles I guess I did feel a little better to finally get to your question I guess I did feel a little better about the fact that the Chargers did blitz him quite a bit right now I missed the first half because we were doing something called the big red rage the original Thursday night football thank you ding and uh and so okay it's interesting because the next-gen stats said that the average blitz rate against Patrick Mahomes is about 24%, and that Vance Joseph blitzed him at a 54% clip, which is the highest of Mahomes' career that he faced the blitz. Live by the blitz, die by the blitz. And I think he had four touchdown passes against the blitz. So the Cardinals most definitely died with the blitz. Although, was it really the game plan and the scheme, or was it the failure to execute some of those plays because talking to guys in the locker room on and off the record this week agree that's where it has to get better it's the missed assignments it's the mental errors it's the missed alignments not being in the right place at the right time probably the most telling quote all week was nick vigil saying if you're not lined up correctly 
you have no chance in the NFL. It's already tough enough to play defense if you're not lined up correctly. Then forget about it. Quoting Vance Joseph, the total operation wasn't good. Talking about his defense, and that's got to be corrected ASAP. Now, if we can gleam anything from what head coach Cliff Kingsbury had to say Friday, asked about practice, which was a topic late last week, called it more focused, intentional, but as we say, actions speak louder than words. This team needs to show it between the lines. I did go around the locker room, ask a few guys, a few team leaders. All right, the whole practice thing. We're talking about practice. Man, Allen Iverson style. By the way, Greg Dorch was wearing an AI t-shirt <laughs> because he's from Virginia, just like Allen Iverson back in the day. Uh, there's your random factoid of the week. And I just asked about practice and whether that was media speak. Was that just, you know, trying to cover up for fit? And they said, no. It needed to improve that especially the young guys maybe didn't treat it like they should have that that back in the day, if you would have had a Calais Campbell or a Frosty Rucker or some of those guys, they would have just stopped practice a week ago and told everybody giving them a what for. And and so, you know, I think that's where, like, for example, a J.J. Watt is going to be big this week. We do expect him to play. And. He's just that guy, not only on the field, but on the sideline. And the sort of respect he commands, the sort of performance he expects out of players. If you're telling me that that a J.J. Watt is back on the defensive line to solidify things and a Justin Pugh is back at left guard to solidify the Cardinals' O-line, okay, now you're, you're much closer to getting a true gauge of what this team can be and should be in week two and the good news is the fact that Jalen Thompson is trending to being available after not practicing Wednesday and Thursday Trayvon Mullen the former Raider you know he would like an opportunity against his former team yep. he's been practicing and might be given an opportunity this week and minus Andy Isabella and minus Rondell Moore for the second straight week what does that portend? Does that mean the Cardinals use more tight ends than ever? Does that mean more of a commitment to the power run game with James Conner? You know Josh Jacobs is going to break it. I mean, he's going to bring it. You know, Any sort of arm tackle, he'll break those. You better be ready to tackle and play defense when they give the ball to Josh Jacobs. And you know what? Once again, in that locker room talking to guys, they, they expect a couple of things. They expect Jacobs to get his fair share of handoffs based on the Cardinals' inability to stop the run. They expect Darren Waller to get a lot more targets. He only had three targets through three quarters. As Devontae Adams was getting 17 targets from Derek Carr in week one. And they expect Hunter Renfro to be a much bigger part. He had zero targets until the third quarter in this season opener against the Chargers. Well, guess what? Cardinals gave up more than 100 yards receiving to Travis Kelsey. They gave up more than 100 yards receiving to receivers in the slot that Kansas City put there. Those were two problem areas for the Cardinals' defense. And as we all, all know, agree, everybody now, you will see it until you beat it. It was interesting to hear Vance Joseph specifically mention, yeah, Josh Jacobs is going to be more involved. He only had 10 carries, but averaged nearly six yards on those carries. Wow. And you would think after a week, and then Derek Carr was very public post-game saying, yeah, I got in my head as far as looking at Devontae Adams' direction way too many times. Now it's easy to do. Targeted 17 times, 10 catches, a buck 41 and a touchdown. Why not look Adams' direction? But to your point, for an offense to be successful, and this goes for the Cardinals as well, you have to be able to spread the ball around. Something Kyler Murray brought up Wednesday. He would like to get 
A.J. Green more involved. He would like to get Hollywood Brown more involved, and he needs to, talking about Kyler Murray, because I'm sorry, we all love Greg Dortch, and I know he was a guest on the Big Red Rage, but he cannot be your leading receiver for a second straight week. Didn't Drew Stan tell you on the Red Sea Report he called it, quote, alarming when Greg Dortch was the leading receiver? Nothing against Dortch, but when you have some big names and some big weapons, Hollywood Brown among them, uh, yeah, that was a shocking happening in in week one but your lead up there I think brings up the two biggest liabilities of this Raiders team number one they're secondary if Kyler Murray can find time enough to go through his progressions and find receivers downfield the Raiders definitely can be had with that banged up secondary as good as their their front four and their front seven is you know if if the Cardinals can handle that which is a big if and we'll get into that and then uh, that Raiders offensive line is their biggest liability, no doubt. I mean, they rotated seven different guys and on that offensive line in week one. They were rotating two different guys, a right guard and right tackle. You just don't see that in the NFL. And so the Cardinals have to exploit that. Can they get to Derek Carr without bringing numbers, without bringing the blitz? Because, again, it's so risky going against a veteran quarterback when you bring the blitz. And the Chargers had 22 pressures and six sacks on Derek Carr in week one. Now, yes, they have Khalil Mack and they have Joey Bosa. They have some all-pro pass rushers, which the Cardinals currently do not have on their roster. So is it realistic to think the Cardinals can get home, something they did not do a week ago when they had zero sacks? Derek Carr pressured on 50% of his snaps in week one, wow. second most among all starting quarterbacks when you look at the next-gen stats. And just over his career, again, since 2016, next-gen stats, the completion percentage without pressuring Derek Carr is 14 points higher. He has 119 touchdowns mm. without pressure, only 23 with it, and a passer rating of 100 with no pressure, 74 when he is pressured. But to your point, Paul, can the Cardinals get pressure on Derek Carr with just four? Do they have that capability? Another week for Marcus Golden to get his conditioning, football conditioning, up to speed. Do we see more uh, Devon Kennard elevated off the practice squad of the active roster? What about Dennis Gardak? There were not a lot of pass rush snaps amongst those three last week. Yeah, And, and then you have Chandler Jones on the other side. So there's going to be the inevitable compare and contrast. What did the Cardinals have? What did they lose in not re-signing Chandler Jones. And to your point, if they can get to Derek Carr like the Chargers did, the numbers were not kind. Yeah, he almost threw for 300 yards, but he had three interceptions. He he underthrew Devontae Adams on a deep pass early in the game that resulted in one of those picks. He had a, he had a potential touchdown pass to Darren Waller on their very first drive. He missed him. He fumbled two times. So Derek Carr is a quarterback who can get rattled. If you ask any Raider fan, and we both grew up with a lot of them, uh, you ask any Raider fan, they'll say, you know what, Derek Carr's pretty good, but can he be great? Can he really get you to that next level? He got him to the playoffs last year for the second time in 19 seasons. The Raiders went to the playoffs, and then they flamed out in their first game against the Cincinnati Bengals. So Mark Davis went all in, and he brought in a lot of weapons, a Devontae Adams, a Chandler Jones. They're trying to take that next step. They brought in a new head coach and a new GM. Do they need a new quarterback? And and so the Cardinals have to go in and they have to try and make him look like week one Derek Carr. 
instead of the Derek Carr, who, who at times has been a Pro Bowl quarterback. He has that on his resume. So which guy are the Cardinals going to see? And that comes down to the Cardinals' defense. They have to be able to force the issue. It can be done against Derek Carr. And one more note on that offensive line. Their starting center, Andre James, suffered a concussion in that week one game. Played every snap, but is not at non, has not been on the practice field. Wow. And now all of a sudden, okay, you're rotating at right guard, right tackle, and you're without your center. This Cardinals team, and I think the emphasis has to be on that defensive line, not just on Marcus Golden, Devon Kennard, and Dennis Gardeck, but a J.J. Watt, to your point, having him healthy, a Zach Allen. Can he get home, whether it's with four, with five, or someone from the outside? You have to be able to get pressure on Derek Carr. The Cardinals, a little bit. Got some pressure on Patrick Mahomes. Not much, although how much was out of credit to Mahomes just being able to escape, step up in the pocket, and find guys. But I do think if the Cardinals are going to come away with a win on the road, it's going to be because that defense slows down Derek Carr and Devontae Adams. And then hit zoom out to the front seven. I think the other big question, obviously, would be those those two first-round linebackers. Isaiah Simmons, who didn't play much linebacker, and then Zayvon Collins, who, according to Nick Vigil, Played aggressive, played decisive, played pretty good football, according to the veteran Nick Vigil, who I'm going to guess we're going to see a lot more of this week. Uh, we'll see. You know, Isaiah Simmons obviously has had better games. He was cited by both Cliff Kingsbury and Vance Joseph as needing to clean up quite a bit. The communication was cited repeatedly by the coaches, and that was the responsibility of an Isaiah Simmons wearing the green dot. Okay, what does that mean? When Vance Joseph cites 14 or 15 plays, quote-unquote, that were not fit correctly, where they were misaligned, that is way too many. You better be able to count those on one hand. In NFL games that inevitably come down to one, two, or three plays, and there's more than a dozen plays that were misfit or misaligned, that's a serious issue. And I thought... You know, Vance Joseph was very blunt to the media when he said, we just didn't play fast, we couldn't get lined up, the calls were coming out slow, we didn't play clean enough, and they did, quote, end quote. And so that better improve. See, that's correctable. When you say you look at the game film, and the Cardinals did on Tuesday, and all you had to do was go around the locker room, and I did, and ask guys, what was that film session like? And guys' eyes would open wide, and they say, yeah, it was – it was pretty blunt. I mean, if the coaches were that blunt with the media, can you imagine them during the film session? And so that's what they mean when correctable. And we get back to that Nick Vigil quote. If you're not even lined up correctly, it's tough enough to play defense in the NFL in the current environment. You, know, you have no chance if you got it misaligned. I thought it was interesting when asked to Vance Joseph about those two inside linebackers. Vance, how did Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons look? Very complimentary on Zayvon Collins. Not so much on Isaiah Simmons. Quote, had plays that hurt us. And I just think, and we talked about it on Monday here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, how many times we saw number nine trailing, whether it was Travis Kelsey or someone else in coverage. The backs of so many of those jerseys in the Cardinals defense, that can't happen. And I think Simmons is so good as far as his athleticism, his speed, And I think sometimes he gets ahead of himself to where all of a sudden now he's out of position where if he just slowed down a little bit, because I do think he knows this defense and knows where he's supposed to be, I think sometimes he's just there too quickly, too fast. He just needs to dial it down a little bit. Yeah, and there were certainly some plays where Travis Kelsey uh, ran a route and he shook 
Isaiah Simmons, and there was a lot of separation. There were there were some really easy completions from Mahomes to Kelsey. There were a couple that were right on the money where Simmons was in Kelsey's hip pocket, and he still wasn't able to make the play just because of the accuracy of a Patrick Mahomes. But you know, Craig on the sideline, there was there was a lot of discussion as to what was going on, the X's and O's uh, among the defense. So. When everyone said afterwards that communication was an issue, I was not surprised. There were, there were constant huddles on the sideline as to where exactly um, you know, the, the calls were, were coming from and how they were being executed. So I'm very curious against the Raiders uh, how they're going to address that. If it's going to change, does that mean they're going to put the green dot on a Buda Baker or Jalen Thompson? Is Nick Vigil going to get more of a role in this thing to get things aligned and fit correctly. Zayvon Collins have more put on his plate uh, and to be that guy. He's playing the position that typically would have the green dot and would call out the plays. So I'm curious what it means on game day week two and what sort of adjustments that Vance Joseph may or may not make. Snap counts week one. Simmons 61 out of a 70 possibility. You look at Nick Vigil, only 36. He played just over 50% of the defensive snaps. And we saw a lot of Ezekiel Turner, 16 defensive snaps. Do those numbers adjust? And if they do adjust, then to your point about the green dot, that needs to be on someone that is on the football field 98 to 100% of the time. And last week, that was Byron Murphy, Jalen Thompson, Marco Wilson, 96% of the time. But those guys are in the secondary. And I know Jalen Thompson kind of mentioned it during training camp that a lot of different players were kind of experimenting that as far as getting the play from the sideline to the rest of this defense. I just don't know if it's feasible when things are happening so fast that it's someone on the third level. You need to be closer to the line of scrimmage. And you know what? Honestly, that's where practice comes in. We're all so easy to dismiss practice, but according to Cliff Kingsbury on our TV show, and and I'm quoting here, when Wolf asked him Isaiah Simmons, he said, well, he could have been better. Look, it's week one, but uh, you know we add a bunch of practice together. That's what the walkthroughs are for, talking about any sort of mental errors or missed assignments. That's where you're supposed to get it ironed out, the walkthroughs, the practices. You know, He said offensively we had pre-snap penalties. That's on the offense, and, and that's something that should not happen. Right? Didn't they have a their first snap of the game on offense? Yes. Was what, a legal procedure? A legal shift. A legal shift. So that portended bad things. And then uh, Cliff Kingsbury saying defensively, you know, the missed assignments and alignments, you got to get that ironed out. That's where practice matters. And so we'll see what it looks like uh, here in, in, in week two against the Raiders. Because once again, uh, they're going to target all the same areas the Chiefs did, whether it's out of the slot, whether it's the tight end. You know Darren Waller's going to get a huge part of this game plan. And then Josh Jacobs, look, the best way to keep Derek Carr clean is to establish that run game. And as poor as the Raiders' offensive line is, they're still able to come off the ball much better than they pass protect. And then Josh Jacobs is a guy who's going to make you tackle. He will test whether you, whether you are regular season ready with your tackling because he is that stout of a running back. They have, talking about the Raiders' offense, they have a number of playmakers in the backfield, wide receiver, tight end. That why I go back to, okay, get the ball out of their hands, make sure they don't become involved. Outside of Josh Jacobs, he's either hand of the ball off, but as far as passing the ball, if you can't make things difficult for Derek Carr so he doesn't target a Devontae Adams, a Hunter Renfro, a Darren Waller, you know, it, it, what Adams did in week one was scary. It was. You know, I, I asked um, 
Uh, some of the defensive coaches, uh, Devontae Adams, a uh, top three route runner in the NFL. Yes. Okay. So that was a follow up on what Vance Joseph said about him and Stefan Diggs being atop the league. And here's the thing. He's not just an outside receiver. They will move him all over, Devontae Adams. It's going to be interesting. Do you put a Byron Murphy on him? Do you shadow a Devontae Adams with a Byron Murphy? I wish I had the answer to that question. I don't know. We saw that at times a, a year ago. Uh, we used to see it all the time when Patrick Peterson was in his prime. Do the Cardinals have that ability to do that? You know, if a Trayvon Mullen is available, that gives the Cardinals more options at the other cornerback positions, along with Marco Wilson, to maybe put a Byron Murphy Jr. on Devontae Adams. But they will move them all around. And you got to know that Josh McDaniels, who Cliff Kingsbury knows very well, going all the way back to their Patriots days when Cliff was a young quarterback and McDaniels is an even younger assistant coach and assistant to the assistant at that point. Um, you know, you, you got to figure McDaniels looking at that game film from last week and he's going to test and stress every area that Andy Reid targeted. It's going to be fascinating. And again, the kickoff on Sunday, 125, 8.30, the pregame coverage begins. And again, the first road test of the regular season, Allegiant Stadium, Las Vegas. So we, 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 we hope that Calvisi, not that he needs a curfew, Bird Gang, but we hope that he is well aware of his no. surroundings. Forget the curfew. Back in the day when you go play the Raiders, you needed a personal protector on no, the sideline. The black hole, yeah. I mean, this will be your first experience the, dealing with the black hole in a different venue. Supposedly, they turned the black hole into a nightclub. That, that's what I heard. Somebody told me they turned the black hole is no moss. That the black hole is like a oh, that's, swanky that's velvet rope nightclub. I mean, do you see the quote from Devontae Adams? He said that now he's one of the big reasons he came to play for the Raiders, not just Derek Carr, but the proximity. He grew up in California, yeah. went to Fresno State, is now his grandparents, for example, can see him play in person for the first time as an NFL player. And that he has so many family members that want to come to the games now and make the trip to Vegas that he went and bought a suite for $500,000. That's what it cost Devontae oh Adams, goodness. half a million dollars for a season suite. And, and he's getting the player discount, I would presume. So, yeah, there, there's a lot of... There's a lot of desire to go to these Raider games, and it's obviously a destination trip for opposing fans. I'm going to be very curious how the Red Sea travels. Curious if there is a black hole, because once again, they turn it into a nightclub. And then, you know, how many, how much ACDC are they going to play? Because usually every other song at a Raiders game in Oakland was ACDC. That's the over-under i got to figure out. But, Gree, you haven't told me. Pauly prop bet here, as long as we're going to Vegas, what is the over-under on sacks by Chandler Jones? Because when we've seen Chandler Jones motivated, we have seen epic Hall of Fame caliber games. Most recently, week one against Tennessee, where he had the five sacks and he had about 500 pressures, and he absolutely schooled Taylor Lewan. Now, DJ Humphreys is going to be much more equipped to go against uh, 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 Chandler Jones, but remember, they flip Chandler Jones and Max Crosby. From the guys I talked to, DJ Humphreys should expect at least 10 or 15 reps against Max Crosby. That Chandler Jones will be going against Kelvin Beecham enough that Kyler Murray is going to have to be aware that it won't always be from his left side, that Chandler Jones could be coming off the right side. We did see 55 with the Cardinals move both from left to right yep. on occasion. So it bothered me that Chandler Jones did not record a sack week one. And it bothered me not because of the alma mater connection. And by the way, if you see Chandler Jones, tell him I said hello. 
It was the fact that, to your point, a motivated Chandler Jones held sackless week one after the big free agent signing. Now you've got his former team coming into the building, and you know he never was able to get his hands on Kyler Murray during his entire time with the Cardinals. That's right. And you and yeah. now all of a sudden, fair game. There is yeah. the proverbial red jersey, the no contact, uh-uh. If Chandler Jones can get in the backfield, he'll sack Kyler Murray and have something to say about it as well. So, here's yeah, the, the the motivation is very very real for Chandler Jones. So, we asked Wolf asked Greg Dorch on the Big Red Rage about Raiders game film and the Raiders defense and what stood out. Dorch immediately said, and I quote, "His eyes got big, and he I can't even share the emphasis with which he said it. Chandler Jones is a problem." quote-unquote, Greg Dortch, just watching the film. So the stats belie the performance of those two Raiders pass rushers. They didn't get a single sack on Justin Herbert, which was credit to Justin Herbert because he was able to get the ball away. And at six foot six, he's able to hang in there sort of Big Ben style, which might be a problem for Justin Herbert going forward. We saw he got banged up against Kansas City, obviously, with the rib or midsection injury of some sort. But you know, it wasn't... It wasn't for a lack of pressure on Justin Herbert that he didn't get sacked. Max Crosby and Chandler Jones were a big problem in that game. And and once again, we'll just go full circle here. That's where it starts for me. If Justin Pugh, who knows Chandler Jones as well as anyone, including D.J. Humphreys, because they go back to their Syracuse days. If you're telling me that D.J. Humphreys and Justin Pugh are on the left side, okay, you feel a lot better about that, just their familiarity with 55. And then Max Crosby who has the best motor in the game. You talk to guys in the locker room, nobody has a better motor in the NFL than Max Crosby. In the fourth quarter, he is still bringing it with that ferocity and velocity that he can just wear out an offensive line. And so that that I'm real curious to see what Cliff Kingsbury has in mind. Because remember the text he sent Chandler Jones supposedly was, hey, don't tell, hold it against me when we chip you the entire game. And that's probably not just jokingly. That's probably what's going to yeah. happen yep. on Sunday because you have to slow him down with a tight end or a running back in the backfield. But yeah, even if you're not getting home and Chandler Jones and Max Crosby again held sackless, but Crosby, 10 tackles as a defensive lineman? I mean... We make big deals when there's the 15-plus tackles by someone in the secondary. You're talking about double-digit tackles by someone at the line of scrimmage. He's making plays. Maybe he's not getting home, but he's making plays around the line of scrimmage. So he had the 10 tackles, uh, which was a career high, and he had eight run stops. So it shows you how stout he is against the run. He's just not some sort of athletic pass rusher. And then there's this stat that over the last three seasons, there are three players and only three players with 40-plus tackles for loss. Aaron Donald, T.J. Watt, and Max Crosby. So it's a league company. And it'll be interesting to see how they use them because a couple of guys in there told me that he will freelance. They sort of let him line up where he feels like based on how – an offense comes out and breaks the huddle, their formation, he will line up sort of as he sees fit. That uh, the last guy they saw do that was like a Terrell Suggs in his prime. That he's just going to go, okay, you know, he'll move over a defensive lineman, he'll get in the, he'll get in like a five technique, or no, he's going to come off the edge this time, he'll go wide nine, he'll be, you know, and so I'm curious to see, as often as we're watching 55, 98 is going to be a show to himself based on the motor, and where he lines up, 
and just the way he plays the game. I've never seen it before in person, Max Crosby. I'm real curious to witness that. All he has to do is watch the film of last week's game and how much pressure up the middle that Kyler Murray faced because yeah. of the issues in the interior. So if you're Max Crosby, yeah, you might be as as an edge rusher or defensive end, and Chandler Jones as well, but what is the quickest way to get to the quarterback? It's a straight line up the middle, and the Cardinals need to be able to control that middle pressure because, again, you look back at last week, Kyler Murray, with a hand in his face, did not look comfortable. And that's not my word. That was Kurt Warner yeah. on the NFL Network yeah. looking at the film. Kyler Murray, under pressure, looked uncomfortable. And we haven't seen – we well, obviously, we saw it in the playoff loss to the Los Angeles Rams – but up until that point, he had been pretty good at escaping that pressure, handling that pressure. But in the last two games, he yeah. has not. You know, I, I would throw in the week 14 against the Rams last year when Aaron Donald had 14 pressures in a single game. <laughs> he had a whole season worth of pressures in a single game. And uh, uh, the predominant majority of those came through the right guard spot. Right guard was to last year what left guard was to week one. That liability that can rattle a quarterback. That's what we meant when we talked about it last week, that you don't want to pick up where you left off in that playoff loss. No, nothing from last season, even the postseason, carries over to this season. I'm talking about how the Rams rattled a, a Kyla Murray. Is that the Cardinals had a liability at one spot in the offensive line, and it cost them. It was the gift that kept on giving that right guard spot in the playoff loss. Well, against Kansas City was the left guard. You know, the pro football focus grades were not kind to the third stringer Sean Harlow filling in. So once again, we come full circle. If you can get Justin Pugh to solidify that spot, J.J. Watt to solidify the defensive line alongside Zach Allen, who played very well, my understanding. You know, there are five guys from that game, really, that that I thought really brought it. Zach Allen was one of them. A Dennis Gardeck was another. You know, a Buda Baker who had 13 tackles in the game. There were just guys who stood out based on effort and intensity and urgency. Uh, Zach Allen was one of those guys. So now if you get J.J. Watt back, okay, now now you can get a true gauge to me on what this Cardinal team is going to be all about after a Week 2 game against the Raiders. You always have the best seat in the house on the sidelines as far as being able to see and also hear. But how does this game start for the Cardinals' offense? Third snap of the game last week, Kyler Murray was sacked. Mm. And all of a sudden, this team, this offense, it's really the offense, if they don't get something clicking early in the game, first possession, second possession, they have a hard time regrouping and getting back, especially if they're trailing by a touchdown or two touchdowns. And it goes back to the pressure. You get pressure on Derek Carr. He doesn't handle it well. Get pressure on Kyler Murray. Last week, 3 of 8 for 23 yards when he was under duress. And we know that, yeah, everyone's going to be focusing on Chandler Jones, but don't forget about Max Crosby. And those two, it's going to come – it always comes down to the line of scrimmage, who controls the line of scrimmage. But to me, it's it's all about pressuring the other team's quarterback this week. And, and it was a lethal combination against Kansas City. You were going three and out, and then Patrick Mahomes was going the length of the field with three touchdown drives, three touchdown passes in their first three possessions. You know he's the second quarterback to do that since 1991, to start a game with three touchdown passes in the first three drives. The other was Aaron Rodgers, 2011, which is so ironical, if you will, because that's exactly what I said on the broadcast, that 
the way he was throwing the ball and just flicking it so easily from different arm angles and just the touch, the velocity, getting it into windows, putting it on the money, and befuddling defenders, it reminded me of a young Aaron Rodgers, what Patrick Mahomes was doing down there. It, it was it was breathtaking at times just how good Mahomes was in that week one. And then after his fourth touchdown pass, he flashed a four to the Cardinals' sideline, I'm guessing in honor of his longtime college head coach, Cliff Kingsbury. I know one defender told me after the game that, uh, you know, they got some hits on him. He got the pass away. There was no sacks by the Cardinals defense, obviously, but they hit him pretty hard. I know it was after the second, third, or fourth touchdown pass. I can't keep track, but after one of those touchdown passes, they hit him hard and they sort of rubbed it in a little bit. And, and Mahomes jumped up. He said, All right, good hit, good hit, but that's a touchdown, boys. And he ran off the field. He's ultra uber competitive. Patrick Mahomes. I hope one day, and it might not be this month, it might not even be this season, but the center midfield exchange between Cliff Kingsbury and Patrick Mahomes, what was said by one or the other, maybe more so by the player versus the head coach, and then obviously the text messages back and forth throughout the entire season. Because again, now as we go full circle, it's once again, not just the Cardinals. The Chiefs victimized, excuse me, the Chargers victimized as well. Mahomes has seven touchdowns and no interceptions in two games. Wow. And I tried. I asked Cliff Kingsbury about what they might have said to each other after the game, and he said, I'll keep that to myself. So we went down swinging. We struck out on that one. But remember Mahomes' quote going into the game, because I have it right here, I hope I get the win because I'll have bragging rights for the rest of time. <laughs> so hashtag eternity on that one, uh, Patrick Mahomes. But I'll tell you what. That uh, that Chargers-Chiefs game on Thursday night, was that not a preview of the AFC Championship? That easily could be a preview. The, those, those two teams are loaded. And I'll leave everyone with this. Amazon Prime Video. This was my first experience watching a live game on a streaming platform of this magnitude, of the NFL magnitude. I don't know about you, Paul, but... At, uh, at I'll steal your line at uh, yeah. Casa Grialu. Yeah, there were zero, zero issues, video or hmm. audio. Didn't clutch up. No, no didn't, buffering. Nothing. No buffering. No. Nothing like that. Yeah, I, I agree. It was clean. It, it definitely. You know, um, I need to pop for the 4K one of these days. You know, maybe for Christmas. But it, it was clean. And uh, yeah, I I had no issues with it. Obviously, you had familiar voices on the call, and so that's that's. Look, when they're paying a billion dollars per season over an eleven-year contract, you know this is the NFL maximizing their media rights. This is why the NFL is the financial juggernaut it is because they're able to leverage these different entities on different platforms. You know, now if the Pac-12 network can just figure it out for those of us who went to Pac-12 schools, just figure it out. Although this week, it's great. There's bad news for Bertrand Barry because uh, the Cal Bears are going into South Bend. They're going to leave his Notre Dame Fighting Irish 0-3. Are you calling your shot right now here Telling on this you right Friday? Now, if Marshall, if we are Marshall, can go in and beat Notre Dame, guess what? Here comes the mighty Cal Golden Bears with a big-time win. You talk about Patrick Mahomes having bragging rights until eternity. I can't imagine... If Cal beats right. Notre Dame, yep. how Paul yep. Calvisi is going to be all day Sunday, Monday, and for yeah. the next, well, eternity. Yeah, that's right. This is bragging rights for the rest of time, Bertrand Barry. Although I'm not going to go as far as the Pash Pod and oh, Dave yeah. Pash and his bet with uh, Damian Lillard. 
Uh, Dave, you got to be gripping. If you, if you hear Dave as more of a homer on the call than ever, if he sounds like, oh, I don't know, a Hawk Har- Harrelson on a Chicago White Sox broadcast, that's an old school one. Look up that. If, if, if Dave Pash has turned into a certified, bona fide, flaming homer on the call Sunday, that's because he has a lot riding on this game with Damian Lillard, does he not? Who agrees to that bet? Okay. If the Cardinals win, Damian Lillard has to wear a Kyler Murray uniform. All right, that's fine, and it won't be opening night. You can go to the Patch Pod and, and get the full details. It's not maybe not opening night, but during a, a home game. But if the Raiders win, Pash has to go all black hole and dress up, <laughs> yes. face and everything. Face paint. There's, there's just, yeah. There's just a small part of me, Paul. <laughs> That would love to see that, yet at the same time, yeah. of course, I yeah. cannot have a team, yeah. an Arizona Cardinals team, be yeah. 0-2. Uh, yeah, Dave, you know, you, you got the raw end of that bet. Uh, that was a lopsided <laughs> bet, you know. But once again, Damian Lillard is an NBA superstar, and he was the one who agreed to come on <laughs> your podcast. So as it should be, as it should be. The good news is for Dave, he won't have to go far, I figure, because, um, you know, his son, uh, Zeke, is a big-time Star Wars fan. So if he needs any sort of the Darth Vader stuff or, you know, any you know to look like you truly belong in the black hole, I'm sure there's a lot of Halloween costume stuff that Dave can put on in addition to the black face paint. So there you go. So we've got the Chandler Jones storyline. DJ Humphreys and Chandler Jones, teammates now going against this one another. It's, it's, it's the first road test. And then, of course, the other storyline that might not get much national attention, but it's certainly here on our Cardinals platforms. The Dave Pash, Damian Lillard bet. <laughs> so there you go, Dave. You wanted the Pash pod. You know, we all retweeted the Pash pod. And so uh, guess what? It might come home to roost. Uh, but it can't be nearly as bad as I tweeted out at Paul Calvisi. can't be nearly as bad as when you were a young broadcaster out of Syracuse, a sports update guy, actually make that sportscast, delivering finely tuned handcrafted sportscasts on Detroit Sports Radio. And uh, you actually got punched in the booth uh, live on the air. That's an all-time story from Dave Pash. I, I won't even come close to doing that to dignity it deserves. But it can't be that bad, right? Just getting punched live on the air? It can't be. No, that would that puts the pictures that I'm just and the social that, that will circulate across social media for eternity as we yeah. use that word of the day yeah. here. But yeah. uh, Dave's yeah. giving a Pistons update and then boom, he takes a right cross to the jaw live on the air. Cardinals and Raiders on Sunday, 125 is the kickoff. Pre-game coverage begins at 8:30 in the morning. And on that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Almohandro. For Paul Calvisi, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2. 8.30 in the morning. Wolf will just be getting in from the strip at 8.30.